Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. He's a well-known expert in impact investing uh, with social entrepreneurs and innovators. Uh, He's a strategic business advisor and a public speaker all over the country. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Danny. Hey, thank you, Jordan. Good to be here. You have a long resume, but just give us a brief uh, kind of summary of your uh, experience leading to where you are today. I appreciate the opportunity to do so. You know, um, it's always difficult to decide where you start, but uh, if I take a look at post my own, we'll call it business ventures and different industries, technologies, and my exit uh, 2015, I decided to spend some time doing what I could to help social ventures, early stage growth-oriented projects that are designed to do not only make a difference socially, but also yield great investor returns. And I thought that they needed a lot of help and support. So I started to do investing, board membership, and advising in that level. And then I also had a chance to work with different asset class investors uh, interested in this new emerging impact investing sector, which I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about. And then as we go forward, we'll talk a little bit about access to my peers and relationships within the professional, uh, active and past professional athletes to help bring those people together with this endeavor. So that creates a dynamic for speaking focus on impact investing and a little bit of my own background. You have a website, dannyhughes.me. What is that, your website? You know, the website is just primarily a focus of what the background was and the intentions around this transition from business focus, but moving toward that impact investing genre. So it really represents my personal story. It represents some of my past business endeavors, uh, some of my active investor uh, investment projects, and then, you know, access to me and just sort of the general story of what I've been doing and what I intend to try to accomplish with the help of, we'll call it, the greater impact community. So let's start at the beginning. So just define, for people who may not be aware, what, how you would define impact investing. Well, impact investing, we'll talk around what it exactly, well, textbook, Wikipedia types of investment uh, definitions, but it's really about investments made into companies, organizations, funds, if you will, that are intended to focus on a benefit to society or an environmental impact along with the financial return. So it's really just providing capital to address social and or environmental issues oftentimes lined up with these 17 United Nations Sustainable Goals. So that's what the textbook definition is, but wiser voices than mine have always reminded us uh, that really all investments have an impact. Uh, The things that the public markets are actively investing in or we choose to make uh, private placements or venture investments They all have an impact. It's just whether it's a negative impact, a positive impact, or whether we're consciously aware of the types of companies that we're supporting and what is actually its objective and is it actually doing things that are beneficial for people, planet, opportunity, environment. So I would broaden it to say really all investments have an impact. It's just whether it's negative or positive. And if you really focus on what today's the active, interesting parties around impact investing is triple bottom line. Can I do something good for society, planet, people? Can I yield positive returns and can I make a difference? So commonly this is called ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Is that correct? Is this the exact same thing as ESG or is there some different between ESG and impact investing? Well, let's expand it because ESG is a strong... I'll call it subset of the broader impact investing. ESG uh, is largely 
position more around the capital markets, uh, the public companies, the the fortune companies that are tracked to see are they doing things that are ESG with environmental society and, and governance um, and tracking how well they measure it. The uh, SRI or SG social impact is also expanding to those that might be private markets or uh, uh, social uh, private equity investments or impact investing efforts, uh, venture capital, uh, your private placements. There's all these different asset classes that you can deploy impact investing that is broader than just ESG. But so when people think of the ESG uh, three-letter uh, acronym, it's usually around what are corporations, uh, what are public or capital markets tracking how well they're abiding by the ESG, environmental, social, and governance thresholds and how people measure them. We'll get into this in more detail, but in general, what kind of impact has impact investing made? Have we seen actual changes in improving the environment or improving uh, social uh, justice or governance because of the way people are investing today? Well, I would like to think that anytime you're bringing attention to the issues and you're hyper-focused on those organizations that are actually intended to move the needle and begin to, begin to support them. So if you look at it from how about us as consumers, you know, we track a look at are we spending our dollars as consumers wisely and we can support those companies that are environmentally, environmentally or socially conscious and that's a great thing. So we see, I feel like people are becoming aware. And if you want to just extend the courtesy of saying, as an investor, where you apply your consumer dollars is investing in the company. And so I believe consumers are always growing and continue to grow with awareness of what are the companies that they support, the product they buy, are doing for our planet people and you know, are they uh, involved in um, labor issues or um, are there tra trafficking issues and all of these things? So there are there's an awareness there, and I, I applaud and continue to want to support those. The corporations are also having their own varying levels of attention and focus on it, um, and they're trying to make sure that they're doing the right things, not only because it's what their corporations want to focus on, but also because they recognize the consumer dollars are, are paying attention to them. Now, when you take a look, and this is just one person's opinion, but when you take a look at where we should be and what the intentions are and a lot of the rhetoric and people saying, I'm interested in impact investing, I'm paying attention to it, um, are they actually executing and deploying it I think there's a big delta there. I think people still are, I use the analogy often, in the bleachers and not necessarily into the game yet for all sorts of varying reasons. The, um, and people are always challenging uh, how active are we getting behind that. One of the things I also want to always bring attention to is that there's a lot of ESG funds and or a large, well-known group of financial management groups will have their own ESG fund. And while I think that's great to have the fund, the, the, the investors need to make sure they're paying attention to, well, what is that ESG fund? What is that made up of? And so you sit there and say, we have that activity, and are those ESG companies that make up that portfolio, are they actually being um, environmentally social conscious? I, For example, I know of one that has an ESG fund that's 49% of their portfolio is made up of one company that is a large Fortune 500 company that most people would recognize, but they have a $5 billion environmental lawsuit against them. So we would want to make sure that people are looking through the lens 
of what that ESG investing actually is to make sure that they're focused on not just the greenwashing of the term, but actually just focused on it. Because there are quite a few CEOs today that are pushed back on this. For example, over this last weekend, uh, Warren Buffett had his uh, shareholders meeting, and he was basically poo-pooing this thing, particularly relating to environmental. There was some kind of a proxy resolution uh, about uh, improving their environmental awareness, and he said, this is just ridiculous. There's like two people in the entire company. We have a million shareholders. There's two people interested in this. And he just basically brushed it aside. Are you seeing resistance by CEOs to this whole impact investing movement? No, no. I mean, granted, uh, Warren Buffett carries a big weight and they probably largely in reference to his companies that he has a holding on. And, and you know, is it, I, I don't see that sort of resistance to it because, you know, let's just, we could break down that into hyper sectors of what does it mean to be ESG responsible? Could it be environmental, how we create our product or how we distribute it and deliver it? Could it be internal? How do we represent a, an employee workforce and a board and a management and executive leadership that more aligned with the general growth of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the marketplace. Corporations will decide for themselves um, how do they grow towards and becoming more aligned with their ESG mandates internally, recognizing, though, that they can only do so much, recognizing that people will be watching them and measuring them, and to the extent in which that does or doesn't make them more or less competitive, help them grow market share and value of a company, it's really up to them. So uh, I don't see pushback and resistance much from the CEO of companies other than I encourage any of them to make sure that they are able to try to attack it uh, in a way in which it can actually be meaningful knowing that there's a large elephant to consume and, you know, obviously people want them to go from zero to 100% ESG and align with all the values and make sure they're checking all the boxes, but that's not conceivable. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't see the pushback that he may be seeing for himself. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answers Show. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. Uh, he is a strategic business advisor, social impact uh, expert, particularly on the whole concept of uh, investing uh, for a positive impact. You can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. We'll be back after this. If you're like me, when you think back to the financial crash of 2008, it's easy to be understandably worried about another potential drop. You and I work hard for our savings, and we want to make sure a portion of it is protected if and when financial turbulent financial times arise again. Imagine yourself being able to easily have a portion of your savings protected from market volatility and owning the world's oldest and most trusted form of exchange. That's gold. Gold provides financial freedom, allows you to save outside the banking sector, privately, in a trusted fashion, virtually anywhere in the world. Vaulted offers users ease of buying, ease of selling gold, unrivaled value, incredibly low costs, unmatched security, all throughout an easy-to-use web app that allows you to purchase and save in gold at the tap of a finger. You can get higher returns. Compared to stocks alone, $1,000 invested in a portfolio of 75% stocks and 25% gold 50 years ago with annual rebalancing would have had a 10% higher rate of return than stocks alone. And compared to a conventional 70% stocks, 30% bonds portfolio, your return would have been 40% higher. You also have lower risk. When stocks go down, historically, gold has a tendency to go up. Thus, a balanced portfolio of stocks and gold has a significantly lower risk of a larger drop, as illustrated what happened back in 2008. When uh, gold went up, stocks went down. By adding some gold to your portfolio, you can cut your long-term risk almost in half. Gold allows you to be your own bank, 
banking system withdraws, sometimes has withdrawal restrictions, bail-ins, and bank failures, they're not your concern if you have gold. You can buy and sell gold at your own convenience anytime you like. If this is why gold is a truly important part of your portfolio, you should take some time to access the stored value whenever you desire. Sign up today for an account at vaulted.com backslash money answers. That's vaulted.com backslash money answers to put gold in your portfolio. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. He is an expert in impact investing, and you can find out more about him at his website, which is dannyhughes.me. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Yeah, thank you. So let's talk about the different asset classes and how one can do impact investing. And the first one we talked a little bit about, it, but is public and capital markets. If somebody wants to do impact investing, should they do individual stocks? Should they do mutual funds? Are there indexes? What is the best way for people who want to make an impact uh, to be investing uh, according to the principles you're talking about? Well, you know, each of the parties, if we take a look at, investor class and you say our traditional retail consumer investor who wants to create and align and direct some of their asset under management whether it's 5,000, 50,000, 500,000 or more uh, there are numerous ESG funds that their particular asset advisor or their their particular group may be supporting, endorsing, and having a great deal of research that uh, these are the companies that we believe make up that fund. So I would say, you know, align and, and sit down and have the conversations with the people who are helping you manage and grow your portfolio uh, and say, I'd like to allocate more of something towards impact investing, which I I think it's a good, strong conversation to have because if they sit down and know the numbers, you will see that over the past numerous years, two, three, and backwards, the impact investing portfolios and the companies they select in there that are demonstrating solid ESG principles and others are outperforming the other markets. Uh, and that's a positive thing. It's showing that if you can make great positive returns in those capital public markets. So you can start there. However, as I shared earlier, sometimes those traditional 
big providers of those services at the retail level and their funds may or may not necessarily be well aligned with companies who are actually abiding by it. Oftentimes phrase greenwashing and sit down and, and examine what do those companies make up. There's one particular company I've always been a big fan of and a supporter of called First Affirmative. Um, George Gay, Teresa Gussman, these are well-known stewards of impact investing going back 30 years of inception. So it's not as if they came lately to the equation. They've been beating that drum for a long time saying this is the best way to construct portfolios that are well designed with metrics and measures as to do those companies actually deliver the impact that they say they do. So they have a so, series of public funds. First Affirmative has some public funds for people to invest in. They do, as well as they also are partners with the asset under management class to be that resource that helps them construct portfolios and create funds. Absolutely. So there's a range of services, and we're talking about the asset classes of the, the public equities. There's a big different story to be told when you're looking at, I want to invest in private equity directly or venture funds or... Uh, we're going to get to that next. Yeah, we'll get that later. But yeah. But just that's, the public markets. Uh, so there are some other firms. Calvert comes to mind. Uh, even Vanguard has a socially conscious S&P 500 fund. Are yes, there other firms that you think do a good job at doing impact investing for public uh, investors? Uh, yes, and, and those are Fidelity has, a, has some good funds that they do. Uh, I know from a private wealth asset management, Alliance Bernstein does a great job with their asset, uh, with their impact investing projects and products. Um, you know, and then if you get down into some of the individual ETFs, there are you can find and do queries on them based on vertical uh, sectors that you really are wanting to support. Um, the LGBTQ community has their own ETF fund that uh, people who want to help support that particular sector and work with companies that are demonstrating excellence in supporting that community. Hmm, interesting. So you said something very important is that people are getting higher rates of return in the long run with impact investing compared to non-impact investing. Uh, why do you think that that's happening, that, that these companies, I mean, normally you think you're, you're narrowing your universe and you're taking out companies that could be performing very well so that you'd, ha you'd be at a disadvantage by doing kind of impact investing as opposed to more general investing. Why do you think impact investors' uh, returns have been higher than, than non-impact investing? That's a that's a multi-layered, multi-loaded question because we could build good business case arguments that companies, for example, who are demonstrating excellence in diversity, equity, and inclusion in their in their organization and their executive and their leadership board and their advisory board have a better way to manage, grow, and adjust to. The, the demands of the marketplace. So at, a, at an organizational and a systemic level, those companies who have, who have made the effort to focus on that will perform better, as well as part of it might be the messaging that they're driving out to the consumers. So any and all of those measurements, if they're actually achieving some of those, we'll call it ESG-focused projects that they want to actually focus on and deliver on it, then they're going to be able to adjust to the challenges and the demands in the marketplace, respond favorably, align their product, company, and solutions because consumers out there are looking for and working with companies that are actually doing what they say they will do. So it's a domino effect that if you do those things in principle correctly, then you're going to have a, a, a favorable outcome, better return, uh, better response to the marketplace, and those are just going to yield all the effects of what we're looking for in, in the company's growth and returns and cost savings and everything else that helps them measure up. Is it possible to buy a stock in an industry that is uh, in, you know, not impactful, <laughs> not positively impactful, say the oil industry? I mean, maybe there are some companies 
that are doing a better job than others, or would you just avoid the oil industry altogether? I mean, is it possible to pick some of the better, or is it you just kind of run off the entire industry? No, you wouldn't want to run, because there's a lot of those companies who have been challenging in those industries who are also leading the progress towards sustainable uh, energy, alternative energy, you know, those companies who have maybe been stewards of challenges for the environment or those that people automatically lump into that bucket of that not, they're not good for the planet or the environment or they're tapping our natural resources or reserves, oil, oil drilling, they're doing it the wrong way. Those companies are also the ones who recognize where the future is headed in the alternative, in the electric uh, and they're making sizable, significant investments in moving in that direction. Um, so I will. I see. Very good. Um, now, the, recently we've had a, a big move, particularly with President Biden now, uh, to emphasize uh, uh, renewable resources and putting a lot of money into electric vehicles and all that. Is that going to have a positive impact on the public companies uh, in that field? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's going to be a transition. It will open up opportunities for those companies who are built from the ground up to be in the, we'll call it the transportation industry, uh, alternative battery powered. You're going to have uh, the emergence and opportunities of uh, newcomers and new players in the sector. But also keep in mind that those uh, companies that were driving a tremendous amount of change aggressively towards wanting to catch up to Tesla and what they've done and say, don't forget about us because we're going to be um, oil independent. Uh, we're going to be electric battery car driven, uh, sustainable energy uh, in the automotive and transportation space as well. So I, I think those are all encouraging signs and all aided and supported by the, the political. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. He's an expert on impact investing, and you can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. We'll be back after this. For many people, it can be difficult and intimidating to get started investing. Most people don't learn about investing in school or even from their parents. So many people are left out from the benefits of investing because they just don't know how to get started. But the stock market is designed to have millions of people participate and enjoy the returns that are available from investing in stocks over the long run. That's why I recently joined Public.com, which is an investing social network which allows you to buy stocks for any amount of money while you share ideas and learn from a vibrant community of investors. I love the idea that public.com is making the whole investment experience accessible, educational, and fun. You not only get all the usual tools to invest, like research on companies and mutual funds, but you also get to share your ideas and questions with a larger community of people all over the country. This is unlike any other stock trading platform I've ever used. Most platforms let you invest, but do not let you connect to a thriving community of knowledgeable investors. I find the app very easy to use and loaded with useful features to help me research investments and connect with other like-minded people. You can follow anyone you like, including people you don't know or famous people that show you what's in their portfolios. It's really a great way to get ideas about what you might like to invest in. The public.com app is free to use and there are no account minimums, so you can start with a small amount of money, even $1. There are no commissions when you buy or sell stocks, <coughs> bonds, or mutual funds. You can also do fractional investing, where you buy a slice of a company if its shares cost too much. Take Amazon or Berkshire Hathaway or Microsoft. They may be hundreds of dollars a share, but you can just get a slice of them. You don't have to get a full share. Public.com is creating new, a more inclusive culture for investing. When they say they want to open the stock market to everyone, they really mean everyone. <clears throat> the public.com community is made up of 40% women and 45% people of color. When you invest with public, you're never investing alone. 
They make it easy to collaborate and build your confidence as an investor. You get to connect with other users, friends, other members, and notable investors to learn new things together and see how they're investing. Public.com takes the responsible approach. They don't promote risky or gambling-like behavior. They don't offer complex trading tools to beginners or encourage day-to-day trading. Instead, they promote long-term investing habits. Public.com prides itself on transparency and won't sell your data to market makers and third parties like other brokers do. They offer a way to break free of traditional financial institutions that want you to spend more money and profit from your trading information. Go to public.com slash moneyanswers to follow me on public.com and see what I'm investing in. You can start investing today for as little as $1. You even get a free slice of stock when you join. So just go to public.com slash moneyanswers to download the free public.com app. This is valid for U.S. residents 18 years or older, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures for all disclosures. They do not give investment advice. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes, an expert on impact investing. You can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Hey, thank you. One of the things you said is you speak with athletes. You work with athletes. Now, athletes typically get a lot of money very quickly. They tend not to hold on to it very well. They spend it and get into all kinds of trouble. And after they've retired, many of them are in pretty bad financial shape. Uh, how do you work with athletes, and how can you help them uh, avoid that syndrome of, like, huge money, and then it all disappears? Oh, that's a good question. You know, um, well, first off, just like anything else, I think what would be – encouraging to share is that even though someone has a great deal of money very early on, you easy to forget these guys and gals are often 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, having to make big decisions long before they're really mature enough or knowledgeable enough. And so it's about the team. And this usually ends up not, the athlete usually ends up getting the fingers pointed at them, but it's usually more about the team around them. So it's really going to be a focus on them selecting good team and the teammates, meaning the legal, financial, tax, and, and wealth advisor community supporting them the correct way. But how I end up personally working with them is usually those that are either toward the latter half of their career or soon thereafter, 
in this transition standpoint, because the audience would be encouraged to know that in addition to the financial power risks that they have, is that they're very philanthropic, social, and oftentimes community of where they grew up focused. It's not really more evident than we'll call it in the multifamily affordable housing sectors and other you know, aligned industry sectors that a lot of these athletes want to go and give back to their community in an impact oriented way. And so what I ended up trying to do is to help them elevate their social enterprises. This is in that business focused venture, being affordable housing, being uh, endeavors in industry, health and wellness or sports technology, things that they're passionate about that they see themselves making the transition beyond the career for the next decade or two. And they're wanting to perhaps either help get some of their funding and or get mentorship and additional funding to help grow those particular projects. And what I've been doing over the last several years is in the keynotes that I'm able to do for the impact investing at large private wealth family office impact in alternative investor conferences is to bring these guys it brings inspiring engaging and it's the audience absolutely responds so favorably because they often were cheering these people from the court and the fields that they watched them and they to see what they're doing uh, in their impact investing meets social ventures enterprises uh, be it affordable housing all the way up to uh, opioid crisis uh, treatment centers to sports tech to the cannabis industry lots of industry sector these guys were uh, and guys are gals are actively being involved in uh, including women of color empowerment uh, social growth racial social justice uh, one such gentleman that people may be familiar with Dikembe Mutombo uh, doing a lot of work in the mining and resources and the Congos to help fuel the topic that we touched earlier before the break around the automotive and the alternative battery operated um, uh, vehicles. So it inspires, it's engaging, and these athletes, uh, active and former, are doing remarkable work and it's really about elevating their project. And as I often say from the stage, that great social change happens when you bring the right innovation capital together with the right investor capital with the right influence capital. And these guys and gals bring a, a touch of that influence relationship brand capital that very few people can manufacture. And I think they are a untapped and unleveraged resource to help make any of these social impact enterprises thrive. We've talked mostly about public markets, but let's talk about private markets, private equity, funding venture firms. Uh, what kind of impact investing is going on in that area? Well, that's the one in which I think is the most encouraging uh, because I think that's where uh, you're seeing a lot of activity and efforts taking place, uh, whether it is a direct private placement, I like that project, I want to get behind and support it, all the way into wanting to get behind a, a venture fund that is actually dedicated, because oftentimes these funds are very much aligned with a social cause. So this could be an affordable housing fund, or this could be a, a women in health fund. And so they're popping up uh, with the goal of raising the capital they need, and they're very selective in actually allocating and investing that capital into those companies, sometimes in that growth mode that's needing additional capital to thrive. Some of them are allocated towards the startup, but each one of them uh, are earmarked to actually try to make a difference in a particular threshold and in sector. What's also encouraging that I actually envision and see is that there is a tremendous amount of recognition from, we'll call it the emerging uh, manager 
women found women led ventures for both the fund as well as the ventures and the same goes to the black community the diversity inclusion funds uh, it's all encouraging to see that's where a lot of those monies are being allocated you've also said it's possible to even do impact investing with cash or with uh, money yeah. funds H- how can one do impact investing in something that seems quite kind of plain vanilla to do like a money market fund correct well there's a company that uh, i'm a big fan of a gentleman uh, called impactdeposits.com uh, impact deposits and they're really all about taking and managing large cash on deposits and being able to help support community reinvestment uh, com- community banks and they take those large cash deposits, distribute them across hundreds of banks, be able to help manage the risk and be able to bring the recall and their little percentage for managing they, that cash, they reinvest back into social causes. So even an asset class as simple as cash can be good, made for social good uh, when people think about capital markets all the way down to private investments, all the way down to cash. Um, it's nice to see that holistic end-to-end ability to say, no matter what cash I want, what asset class I want to help make a difference with, there's a place where I can. Is this happening around the world, or is this mostly United States uh, trend, uh, kind of trend right now? It's all over the world. Uh, you know, the United States. We always like to think we're leaders in that uh, effort to do impact investing, but. Europe is, is very strong. Zurich is, is, is committed. Uh, the Malaysia uh, and Singapore markets are doing tremendous impact investing. Um, so I'm encouraged that this is a, a global uh, initiative um, and not just a U.S.-centric one. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. He's an expert on impact investing that we've been speaking about. You can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Danny Hughes. He's an expert in impact investing. You can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Hey, thank you. What are some other firms that you think are doing a good job at impact investing if people want to look into this and, and do some of it themselves? Well, there are really a couple things. Um, you know, one is Lohas Advisors. One of the firms that I've been a co-founder and a partner in is really focused on helping the private wealth, uh, impact investing, family office community to identify and secure and engage those types of companies and funds and opportunities that are aligned with their values or philanthropic initiatives, their impact investing. Um, so with those who are saying, Hey, we're, we've made our fortune or we're, we're good within affordable housing. Can you help us identify projects? Uh, we like to help focus on delivering that type of exposure. Um, how would you spell that? So, just so people know how to spell, how do you spell that low house advisors? It's L-O-H-A-S 
and then advisorsplural.com. Very good. And then there was another one you were calling 1913 Media. Tell us about them. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that I'm really encouraged about is we were kind of talking about where else are some innovations that are taking place, um, industry sectors, if you will. And one of the things I think an interesting one is the emergence of the film, media, arts, and entertainment um, projects that are the pre-sold, being able to actually help support oftentimes impact film and content. Uh, that is an interesting one in where it's not only the ability to help support writer, producer, directors in a particular um, project, but also to secure the type of investment uh, that helps risk mitigate as well as expand on all of the tax benefits that are associated with it. So it's becoming a hybrid of helping support the new streaming content that are 10 million and under films, rapid, financially engineer it so it helps make it appealing to the investor class. And I'm really keen on how that project uh, and bullish on that one, because I think it's going to tap into a sector that is has historically been outside of the impact space, but now gets to be dramatically brought in. And I know one of the things that you and I wanted to touch on was the next gen, next generation yes. of investors. Mm-hmm. And the there's actually a uh, Nexus is an organization uh, very well known, very well regarded, where the groups of the next generation of wealth inheritors get together and talk about their passions and their ideas of what the changes they want to make uh, in anticipation, in parallel or in anticipation of the wealth that's going to transfer to them. And I'm really encouraged by where their focus and their energies and attentions are. Which so it's called Nexus, is that right? What's that? I just want to know, the organization's called Nexus, N-E-X-U-S, is that correct? Yes, correct, N-E-X-U-S, Nexus. Um, right. Great organization to get tapped into uh, because they do so much for helping elevate uh, the education and the wealth transition and the responsibility that these trillions of dollars over the next 30 years are going to be transferring into uh, the new hands of people who are going to make investments decisions. And it, it creates really kind of an interesting uh, dual challenge is that parties who have been accustomed to helping preserve and expand the wealth of the traditional generation, those who either had made it or inherited it, and they, if they are not talking the impact investing language today, they are going to be out of the conversation when the money transfers to the next generation. So this is really, uh, there's been a lot of attention over the last couple years of making sure that those wealth advisors, asset under managers, uh, people who are uh, working at the retail to the private wealth banking level or investment management level are actually bringing in the conversation on impact investment because failure to do so will mean when that generation inherits the money, they'll be looking for a different asset manager to help preserve and expand the wealth to the investment interests that are aligned for them. So how do you think the new generation is going to be different than the existing generation as far as having wealth in their impact investing behaviors? Well, I know that if you take a look at the examples that have been stated out in the marketplace, they are going to be driven by solve the social challenge first and then look for the return second or in parallel, at least they, the, the generation that created the wealth or who inherited the wealth, uh, the last few generations has all been primarily focused on wealth preservation and growth. Uh, may or may not have turned on the light on that they can achieve that simultaneously with impact investing. The next gen is very much driven. The first point of the conversation is 
we can make a change here. We can do some good. We can clean up the ocean. We can uh, help the homeless. We can uh, take advantage of the, of the need for affordable housing. We can do it with discipline. We can do it with effective models. We can uh, have our eyes set on the return, but I call it patient capital. It's not like we have to have that patient capital or have the investment turn three, 30 days, three months, three years from now. We have the ability to go along with it, make the difference, and then when we measure the results, we want to look at that double, triple bottom line effect of did we make a good return? Yes, but did we change lives? Uh, that will be the calling card for that next generation um, who makes the money and inherits the money. In the roughly two minutes we have left, Danny, why don't you kind of sum up the difference you think impact investing is making in investors' behavior and companies' behavior today and what's, what the trends are for the future? Well, I'm excited about the direction and impact investing as long as it continues to be presented and elevated and I'm seeing it done in just about all of the big conferences and investment conferences because it used to be maybe a one, one shout-out breakout session for 30 minutes about impact is now beginning to dominate um, the, the, the topics that people want to talk about. And now holistic conferences all day and two days are dedicated to it. So I'm, I'm encouraged by the attention to it. Uh, but I still want to see more action than words, uh, where people talk about wanting to do more in affordable housing. They still tend to, when measured against other uh, opportunities, they still may default to things that they know, uh, things that may have a, a better return um, or, or may not have as close of a return with the focus on impact. I think that's as more and more of these impact projects begin to continue to demonstrate that they can yield the, the same, if not superior, returns and make the impact, and we do a good job of measuring it, we'll continue to encourage the investor, whether it's the consumer retail investor, to the institutional, to the private wealth family investors, continue to elevate that and continue to grow. So I'm encouraged, but I'm always wanting to push to see more people get out of the seats and into the game. And if, like we talked about earlier, if we're doing great projects, tackling to the right investors, and we're using sometimes that celebrity influence capital of an athlete or an artist who is aligned with that project, perhaps that's what will help get people encouraged to get engaged. Very good. Well, thanks so much. Our guest this hour has been Danny Hughes. He's an expert on impact investing, and you can find out more about him at his website, dannyhughes.me. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Danny. I uh, appreciate the time. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.